Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the From the Stands podcast. I am Sean, joined as always by my brother, Ian. Ian, we are back. Hoops are back. And someone else is back with us again. Please welcome our friend to the show. Welcome back. You know what? It, it's not even Raptors Twitter legend anymore. It's just, it's just friend. Welcome back, friend, Chris Walder. Thank you for coming back. And you know what? There's a lot of things that are back. The Raptors are home. And Chris is home. He's back on the From the Stands pod. Chris, thanks for coming back, my man. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you guys so much for having me. I, I never, you're not the first guys to say like Raptors Twitter legend. Just makes me feel old. Like I've been doing this for a long time. My fiance probably wishes I would just stop cold turkey. But you know what? During that Raptors uh, home opener yesterday, she was on Twitter quite a bit. So that might give me some leeway in the future in terms of, you know, not watching the actual game and just tweeting my brains off. Just saying, if she watches this, I'm on to you. What does she like more? Your Raptors takes or your wrestling takes? You know, <laughs> it's first of all, it's definitely the Raptors. She's been a trooper lately because I watch uh, AEW Dynamite like every Wednesday or Saturday whenever it's on. She is a massive. She'll always come into the living room when Jungle Boy is on TV because uh, she loves singing the, the Tarzan song. And then when Chris Jericho's entrance comes on, she actually knows the words to Judas because I always crank it during Chris Jericho's entrance. So she can actually sing the song. And I told her, if it ever comes to Toronto, you're coming with me. I swear to God, she'll be like the biggest Jericho and Jungle Boy mark in the entire arena. What a legend. Well, <laughs> we're, a we're legend. not going to go down. We're not going to go down the wrestling path today. Uh, although we did promise you that we would have a wrestling episode on here. So we, we will circle back on that. But I would say we're going to get to the Raptors. Obviously, that's why we have Mr. Walder on. But there, there's a lot of juicy storylines going on in the NBA right now that we do want to touch on. Some that are a little more sensitive than others. But I know that you have an opinion on all of them. So I do want to get those. And I want to start with who else but Ben Simmons. I mean, <laughs> this this is crazy. What's going on? Like, we, he was suspended. So first, he's not coming. He demands a trade. Then he shows up with unannounced. Then he comes to practice with a phone in his pocket. Then he refuses to do a defensive drill, gets kicked out and suspended for the first game. The Sixers now want him to play. He's not playing, but he shows up. He's got back tightness. Now they want him to come to shoot around. It's, it's a, a complete saga. Can you please help us understand what the hell is going on? I wish I could help you understand, my friend, but unfortunately, that would require me to understand first uh, because this is just an entire mess. I mean, bless the Sixers' hearts for ever thinking that this was going to work after it was clear as day that the Ben Simmons experiment in Philadelphia had gone awry, especially after that playoff run. And then during the offseason, you, you hear all these reports about Simmons not interacting with his teammates, not joining in the workouts. And then they they come into this season, they, they hope to have him back because I mean, Lord knows they've tried to move him and uh, his value has plummeted. You're only going to get probably a handful of role players and some draft picks for a guy who who's clearly disgruntled. But at the same time, you know, Philly just kind of has to come to the understanding here that it's over with. I mean, Ben Simmons, the, the, the combination of him and Joel Embiid clearly wasn't working. Ben Simmons has mentally checked out. We've seen the reports today from, from Shams and Woj and all these Philly reporters saying that this guy is basically throwing in the towel. He's getting kicked out of practices. Doc Rivers is done with him. His teammates don't seem to care about him. It's hard to imagine who ultimately picks him up. And I swear to God, if another Raptors fan says Ben Simmons needs to come to the team, I'm going to lose it because I definitely don't want that. 
it was evident in the home opener that we need some shooting and Ben Simmons isn't exactly going to be providing that anytime soon. But I think the Sixers ultimately just need to kind of cut their losses, get what you can for a guy uh, who doesn't want to be in Philadelphia. Uh, The fans are going to let him have it every time he sees the floor, if he sees the floor at this point. Uh, It's just one giant dumpster fire. It's entertaining for guys like me who are not invested in the team, but I can only imagine how hard it is to just be a Sixers diehard at this point. When when he does come back to Philly, though, sorry, when he does come back to Philly, though, after he leaves, it's going to be. He'll get get Vince Carter treatment in (laughs) Toronto. He'll get the LeBron James treatment in in Cleveland. It'll be must-see TV. He'll be like the biggest wrestling heel imaginable, and he'll totally deserve it. But let's be real here. Like, the Sixers deserve some of the blame as well. The way they've handled this has been disastrous from the very beginning because they probably did think, like, like, genuinely thought that they could make this work. But they dug themselves their own grave and at this point they probably deserve each other because they're both awful but uh, again i i hope that they do move him and uh it'll be interesting to see what they ultimately get for him i think it matters right like that if the best player and the coach basically come out and say we can't win a championship with you i understand why that would make you mad but i i mean at some point you just sort of are who you are i mean jonathan gavoni right uh, works used to be Draft Express. Now he works for ESPN. He had this scouting report on Ben Simmons back in 2016. Simmons' lack of competitiveness in crucial games has raised questions about his character. Those who know him best say he needs things to revolve around him on and off the court, and he's often been closed-minded to coaching or instruction. At some point, if you're not growing, he's clearly not growing as a person, right? And at, at some point when you have been in the league for five years, I not only need to see improvement from you on the court, but I need to see it off the court as well. We saw something something like this with Kyle Lowry. Now, Kyle obviously was never even remotely close to this bat. But when he started, he was beefing with Casey, didn't like that he was being a backup. There were rumblings that he maybe he wants out. And then all of a sudden, he grew up and he understood that like, okay, maybe this isn't all them. Maybe part of it's me. Maybe I need to get better. And then the rest is history with the Raptors. So I I think for Ben, maybe he needs to take some time away and sort out his priorities and sort out how he can grow because this just isn't going to work. And I I, I saw a a Raptors, Raptors Twitter follow. I'm so sorry. I wish I knew who it was. Maybe, maybe one of you guys can point it out, but they tweeted that the Sixers have not been able to recover since Kawhi hit that buzz, the bounce, the bouncing buzzer beater. And it's amazing how true that is. Right. Ever since that happened, they, they have not recovered the Jimmy Butler thing. Right. They maxed out. They maxed out Tobias Harris. Elton Brand was the GM for a year. They brought back Brett Brown. And that was a disaster. Right. Lose to Boston. Simmons debacle. It's just one after the other. And it's just amazing to see how that. You know, sequence of events has happened. It's, I, I don't know any Philly fans, but I, I do feel bad for them. It has been an absolute dumpster fire since that shot bounced in. Sorry, Philly, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not sorry. <laughs> and who was it recently on the NBA on TNT? I think it was Charles Barkley. Don't hold me to that. But he had that rant where he was saying, "Why wouldn't a guy like Ben Simmons want to improve in the areas where he's clearly a detriment to his team? Like offense is clearly not his bread and butter. Defensively, he's one of the elite players in the NBA. He can rebound. He can pass. He can play make." 
but he's not a great offensive player. He can't, you know, he can't spread the floor. He's not a great shooter. Why not apply yourself in that facet of the game? And the fact that he's not doing that and he hasn't done that since entering the league, that's a big red flag, which is clear why so many teams are hesitant to trade for him. Oh, Without question. question. I, yeah. I, I think that's such a great point, right? And, you know, even if it's the small stuff, all, all of the all-time great players have various phases of their career where, you know, like phase one, LeBron, freak athlete, can't really shoot. Phase two puts it together and on and on down the line. Right now, obviously, he's at a different phase of his career. Even the all-star level, level players, they find a way to improve. I, I don't know if you guys listen to Zach Lowe or not in his podcast, but recently he had on Kemba Walker. And if you remember anything about Kemba when he came in, he was a, you know, sort of shifty, you know, good off the bounce guy, not really a great shooter, not really like a Monte Ellis type, but that's the, kind of the guy that pops into my head. And then you see peak Kemba in Charlotte and it's off the dribble threes, you know, pick Dame and roll Dame Lillard light yeah, is what it was. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Kemba found a way to improve his game and develop into being an all NBA guy. Simmons has taken his box set of skills and has never once come out of that box. Well, he must get horrible report cards from his teachers. You know, he's, he's oh, evident like what he has to improve on. I'll give you a year from now. We'll, we'll see how you've come in, in this area. And he, he continues to get D's and, and red marks and F's like, God, you just have to learn how to shoot. I mean, it's it helps to be in a great situation where you could be surrounded by shooters. And the Sixers have had shooters in the past, but they still haven't figured out how to use Ben op- Ben Simmons properly in the offense. Well, so again, even during this podcast, I, I always keep my phone on me just in case that Shams or Woj tweet uh, breaks. Ben right. Simmons traded, just not, not to Toronto. Well, and the thing that I've always said, and everyone likes to liken him to Draymond and all this, Draymond is willing to shoot the basketball. That's the difference. I'm. We've seen how many videos of this guy in the offseason doing, you know, basically pull up threes off of a pick on like a pick and pop three and he's hitting them in practice. And then he comes into a season and he shoots two. You have to be willing to shoot. You just have to be. And he's not. He is afraid of the moment. And the, we saw Raymond last year with Giannis. are lazy anyway. They are lazy. Of course they're lazy. But still. You got to keep a defense. You got to keep him honest at least. You got to get him, even if you're willing to shoot, they have to move what eight, nine, 12 inches closer to you in a defense, which opens up everything else around you. It's, it's depressing. It's sad. There's a lot of blame to go around here. Um, but you know what? Um, I think we have enough depressing things to talk about on this podcast. So let's get to something a little fun and let's skip Kyrie Irving because I think I, I don't even want to talk about him. Like, and we're going to skip right past him. Okay, Chris, let's get to the LA Lakers. I scream from my soapbox that Russell Westbrook was not going to fit on this team. Now to bring full circle with the Raptors, we'll talk about later. It is just one game. He was terrible, but what are your expectations for this Lakers team this year with Russell Westbrook in that spot that he's never really been in before? What's that recurring joke on social media that the Lakers are basically like the 2011 NBA All-Stars? A lot of talented people who, if this was like a decade ago, they'd be running roughshod through the NBA and we wouldn't even be questioning who's winning the NBA championship. But the fact that this is 2021, a lot of these guys have probably seen their peak already and are in the downward trend of their careers. But there's still a loaded roster. And I think at the end of the day, any roster that has LeBron James at the helm, especially with an Anthony Davis as like your one-two punch, 
you're going to be in the Larry O'Brien conversation no matter what. But the interesting thing is having Russell Westbrook as your point guard, a guy who has uh, clearly been a, a number one option, a number two option for the better part of his career. He's a walking triple-double. I forget who it was that the someone in in the media said that recently that you know Russell Westbrook as a sixth man would probably be the ideal fit. Like he could probably average a triple double for the second unit, and that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest bit. I think just him in that starting lineup, and again, like you said, it's only one game. You can't throw in the towel after the one game and start making drastic changes to your rotation because that's coming from a Raptors guy who just watched his team stink the bed <laughs> against the Washington <laughs> Wizards. Like, no need to just kind of throw everything against the wall and start abandoning ship at this point. But with a guy like Russell Westbrook, I think him alongside LeBron James and against with just with a lot of guys on that roster who need the ball in their hands, I think there is a better way to capitalize on Westbrook's strengths. And I don't think at this time that the starting lineup is the place for him. And I, I, I could be wrong. The next two, three, four Lakers games, he could prove a lot. He could shut everybody up at this point. That first game was, you know, a tough pill to swallow. And he even admitted that. And LeBron comes out with those quotes saying, you know, don't don't worry. We'll too hard on this yourself. Out. Right. But again, it, it, it's Russell Westbrook. It's a guy who needs the ball in his hands. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to see if this will work. My brain is leaning towards it not. And I, again, it, it could happen with him moving to the bench. And I think your starting point is really good because we all know the closing lineup for the Lakers has Anthony Davis at center. That is their mm-hmm. most efficient lineup. Right. Which does open things up when you have a Russell Westbrook and a, and a LeBron James on the court. So I, I do appreciate that. I think one of three things would need to happen for this to work. Russell Westbrook would either a he, he, he's a part of this would either a need to turn into Clay Thompson and learn how to shoot. That's not happening. No. B be completely OK with not having the ball at all. That's not happening. LeBron James give up the ball and allow Russell Westbrook to run the offense. That ain't happening. Or the fourth one is you realize sitting Anthony Davis down in a corner and say, man, I know you don't like getting banged for, for uh, whatever, 40, 40 minutes as the center. If we're going to be successful, you're the center. I'm sorry. You're just, right. you're the center. This is what it is. You can't have a lineup of for 20 minutes of a game with DeAndre Jordan or Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Russell Westbrook. I'm sorry. Right. It just can't work. I, I would be happily proven wrong. I, I respect Russell Westbrook as a player. I respect the fact that he goes hard every single night. He cares. Mm-hmm. He cares. I, he, you cannot take that away from him. I wouldn't wear the clothes that he wears, but hey, you know what? He teach their own, and he, <laughs> he he loves it. That's my reservation is what is going to give. We, and listen, this is overreaction Thursday. We might overreact to the, to the Raptors one way or another. We're probably overreacting to the Lakers. This is one of the best basketball players of all time in LeBron James. One of the one of, if not the smartest basketball player of all times in LeBron James. So if anyone can figure it out, it's him. He's also a little bit passive aggressive. He can be a bit pouty. So I, this yeah. is going to be, this is going to be, we talk about Ben Simmons being drama. This is going to be incredible. What Winning or losing, this team is must watch TV. Ian, we want to get to one more quick topic before, but I want to give you an opportunity to, to weigh in on the Lakers before Chris, just know the next topic, we can just mute our mics for like five minutes. Cause Ian's got thoughts. <laughs> So the only thing I'll say about about the Westbrook thing is let's let's give it time, right? I mean, we we say this Davis play center thing. We we say that about a bunch of things. You know, Milwaukee should play Giannis at center all the time because he literally becomes one of the 15 best guys of all time when that happens. So, you know, it, it's going to come. It'll happen. DJ will make his way to the bench. I, I, I just give it some time. My biggest issue with the Westbrook trade is 
it isn't that it's Westbrook himself. It's the amount of guys they needed to give up to get there. So, right. You know, KCP, we literally saw like 12 of them last night. Yeah. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. KCP, he's fine. Seventh, eighth man, but can defend and can shoot a little bit. Kuzma to me, I thought he was, I thought he was really good in the first half last night for the wizards. Again, rotation guy. Harrell, back-end rotation guy. But again, you, you know, you're pulling guys from your rotation. You're replacing with minimum guys. Like, that, that's only going to take you so far. Other than that, you know, I, I just want to say, like, let's give it some time. Agree. Let's, yep. let's see where it nets out. And look, th- this Lakers situation was always going to take a little longer to sort out, right? I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot more tweaking, especially around the edges this time around. At the end of the day, in the regular season, if this is going to be a powerhouse in the regular season, Anthony Davis needs to be that dude. So, Chris, I don't normally do this with esteemed guests like yourself, but I'm going to pose a question to my brother for a topic here because it revolves around DeAndre, who Ian was very vocal about, about not getting the max, the five-year max that was available to him and Sarver, and the Phoenix Suns decided to give Mikhail Bridges, Landry Shamit, individuals like that, good money. So Ian, DeAndre Ayton, you came to me and you said he deserves the max. My thought was what? No, he doesn't deserve it. And you laid out there are what? You laid out what? What was your argument? Because you were right. How many many centers are there that in the biggest games on the biggest stage can remain on the floor at all times and on both ends, right? This isn't a mix and match thing. How many centers are there? Four, five, right? You know, the list is very, very short. So Aiton is very clearly one of those guys. And if it wasn't for Giannis legit putting the best playoff performance in the finals, together that that we've seen in what over a decade right this was shackness what we saw it took that to sort of knock Aiton off right and that's not because Aiton's thrown up 35 and 12 or anything like that it's because all of the things that he brings that team uh, signing Mikel Bridges I'm good with it's laughable he got 18 million dollars more than OG Ananobi but that's just because Masai is a goddamn legend for that the, how we're paying campaign or campaign and they went out and they got JaVale McGee and we're Andrew paying Shamit, who I mentioned that one mm-hmm. we're paying Shamit. Like what is it that we're doing? Right. And at the end, what this comes down to is it's, it's, this is Robert Sarver being Robert Sarver. If, if you look at the landscape of the league, there's four or five guys that can make an impact on the floor at any stage of a high impact playoff game. And he's one of them. Like, and that matters. That matters. And he's like 23. 22. What are we doing? 22. And you're going to take a guy over Luka Doncic and Trey Young and not give him the max after he has. It's not yeah, like this guy's been a disappointment. He's been good. Oh, he's delivered. He's yeah, delivered. He had a PED suspension, right? So there's that. But uh, again, Chris, I'm going to throw to you here quickly before we move on to the Raptors. But I literally went, no, he's not a max guy. But then when you break down that position to Ian's point, he's kind of a he's kind of a do-it-all. He can stay to that to that point. He doesn't hurt. He's when he's on the floor, he does everything pretty well. He's not a great defender, but he's pretty good. He's not an all-world offensive player, but he has 
great footwork, good post game, can shoot a little bit. If you're not going to give this guy the max on this team, when you're going for it, and what you want is you want that team to stay together, like what does this do? Now you're telling your number one overall pick from three years ago, no, you, you don't get that money. As you're trying to win the title. Yeah. You're trying to win the title. I mean, DeAndre Ayton is clearly a building block for that roster. And like you said, great point. Them picking him over, you know, the Trey Youngs and the Luka Doncic's of the world. Like, you clearly need to be investing in this guy. And that finals was, you know, so to speak, his coming out party to the rest of the NBA, as it was for the entire Phoenix Suns roster at that point. I'm not quite sure how much Phoenix believes that DeAndre Ayton's success throughout the regular season and the playoffs was attributed to Chris Paul being there because Chris Paul really did make Ayton look like a million bucks. And before that, Ayton was a very consistent big in the NBA. Like he can get 18 he, and, tw- and 10 he was quietly. Fine. Yeah, he was. Yeah, fine. he was fine. Like he would he would put up the numbers, but you wouldn't necessarily know he was out there. And I don't know if that was a good thing or not. He was just kind of like a, a quiet efficiency. Like, you would look at the box score and say, well, DeAndre Ayton had a pretty good game. How much did that impact the game pre-Chris Paul? Who's to say? Not very much because the Phoenix Suns were not a good team before, this, before you know, the bubble and before Chris Paul entered the picture. You absolutely need to be paying DeAndre Ayton the money. He, he played extremely well in the NBA Finals. If that's not enough to warrant the max at this point during a time where pretty much everyone and their mother is getting a mm-hmm. max contract, I don't know what it's going to take for him. And I don't know what the end game is. So you don't give him the max now, but then he has a good season and you give him a three-year max in the summer. So you lose two years on a 22-year-old. I mean, there is no untradable contract in the NBA anymore. We saw John Wall get traded. Like there is no untradable contract. To me, I I was very much like he, I think I'd put it this way and you can have the last word. I put it this way. To me, he's not a max player, but he should get the max. That's the way that I exactly. would describe it. That's the way I would describe it. Ian, last word. He, he's, uh, he's undoubtedly a max player. He's 23. And what he did, what he did to Denver and mostly the Clippers in the playoffs last year, that's enough. That's enough. Like, forget how he's hanging with, like, King Giannis right now, right, in the playoffs. Forget how he's hanging in with that. No backup center. It's him on an island. How he's hanging with that, switching on the perimeter and everything else, I'm sorry, that's a Max guy. And you know what? I I feel bad for Phoenix fans because you spent a decade after the Steve Nash era being dog shit. And they finally have this good fortune come their way. Make an incredible finals run. And then, and and they could do it again. And and this is what we're talking about. I agree. I agree. Takes are getting hot, man. Sean had to take off his shirt. Like that's just evidence right there that this podcast is getting fiery. Oh, I'm sweating. <laughs> Should we pivot on what segue can I use? The opposite of fiery. Let's pivot to game one of the Toronto Raptors NBA season. Uh, you know what wasn't the opposite of fiery? That entrance, that opening. Man, was that amazing. Just seeing the fans in the building. As a, you know, you guys are more hoops heads than I am. I, I'm more on the, the hockey side, although I love basketball. It, honestly, the first thing I thought of, because I have to bring everything back to the Leafs, was like, God, I wish the, the Leafs had a crowd like this that just eats, sleeps, breathes, being loud and engaged. And the Delano Banton uh, ovation and the entrance, it was just, it was incredible. So let's, Chris, really quick, 
watching that opening after being away for so long, mm-hmm. what did that feel like to you? Even though in order to get in the building, you'd have to take like four mortgages out on your house. <laughs> it, it was special, man. I mean, as a Raptors diehard, a guy who used to work for the team, like having been at, you know, the Air Canada Center, the Scotiabank Arena for so many Raptors games in the past. And we take things like this for granted. We had to watch an entire season of this roster play in Tampa. And it, it, it simply wasn't the same. You get these diehard fans back into the arena. The first game back in Toronto, we had to wait longer than any other fan base in the entire association. And it was just the videos, the crowd reactions, like it, the little things, like hearing Delano Banton's reaction that he got from the fans. So they them mentioning Rexdale, uh, you know, Herbie Kuhn and, and the guys dropping that, like that reference. Like it, it was so cool. It, it, it was a heartwarming, a heartwarming moment. You could see that the players themselves were just ecstatic to be back in front of like actual Raptors fans and not the fake ones out in Tampa. Uh, it, it does worry me a little bit because, I mean, I'm trying to get tickets these days myself, and it's kind of emulating <laughs> the Maple Leafs formula of only the yes. top 1% in Toronto can actually That's afford right. to go see a sporting event these days. I hope it doesn't get to that for the Toronto Raptors because there were stretches during the game, admittedly, where the fans were just not into it, and uh, the team wasn't playing well. But Raptors fans in the past, they can elevate this team just with a solid reaction, and that wasn't the case until the Delano Banton half-court shot. That's and then right. they kind of rallied late in the game. Like, that was, like, the, the peak moment where things started to rally. And, of course, the fourth quarter was their best quarter of basketball. But, ultimately, I'm going to remember this night fondly just for the fact that it's Raptors back in Toronto, where they belong, Canada's team, Toronto's team, we the North, the Sixth, the whole, the whole shebang with this team. I'm looking forward to the rest of this season. And I'm looking forward to just not having any expectations. I'm looking forward to this roster just kind of developing, see who stands up, see who see who elevates their game see who's going to be the the cornerstones of this franchise for the next three to five years i'm not afraid i shed a tear i i legit had a couple yeah, tears man. come down my right eye like it was just i get it it was that like this team won a title the, danny green still doesn't have his goddamn right like that's how long <laughs> this has been he's st- like he came for a preseason game and he's like no nah, 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 i'll wait i'll wait i'll wait it's cool man you also they also didn't get the the heroes goodbye that they deserved that title team because they went to the bubble immediately yes and yeah i'm sorry if the world doesn't end because of covid you can't tell me you cannot convince me that that team doesn't beat boston and then beat miami right whether they beat the lakers is a completely different discussion but i have no reason to believe that in another in another timeline we're talking about a, a back-to-back finals appearances and yeah. that you know, that, that, that sort of stinks. And, and look, Pascal was clearly not his best self. And we were three possessions away in game seven in the bubble to go into round three anyway. There's, there's nothing you could say to me that, that could tell me otherwise. I, I, last night was special. Who cares about the score? As, as Chris, you, you said, it's so great. There's no expectation. And, you know, that's kind of nice. You know, if they play great and make the playoffs, amazing. If they stink, but their young guys are developing and we feel good about it and all it is is good vibes, I'm good with all that. So am I but the only we'll f- one on this podcast that had expectations coming into the season, Chris? Because I did. I had expectations of, I went on um, another friend of the show, Rob, uh, Rob Shaw's podcast. Ian and I went on there and, you know, I started with, I think the ceiling was fifth. And by the end of the podcast, I said, I think the floor was 10th. And so that means expectations. Did you have any coming into the season? 
Absolutely none. Look, I said this okay. when they won the championship. I give them like a decade of leeway before I start hollering and hooting over them needing to be a That's championship true. team again. That's like true. this year, I, I know there's so many moving parts. There's so many new pieces, so much young talent on this roster that I, it's hard to have realistic, like high playoff seed expectations because there's going to be so much growing pains. And that was evident in the very first game of the season. This looked like a roster that hasn't really gelled yet. And it's going to take some time. Nick Nurse admits the, this himself, that we really need to put these guys through the ringer before we could, we see what they're made of. And adversity breeds character. And there's going to be moments where we're going to see who's ready to step up, like I mentioned. And the Scotty Barneses and the Precious Achuas and, you know, the Delano Banton, who had an amazing debut and, and really got that crowd going in the home opener. Those are the guys I'm looking forward to seeing the most. But if, if they don't make the playoffs or, or, or if they're just kind of vying for that buy-in, it, it's not a failure of a season. I just want to see some growth and some optimism moving forward into the future because that's what's most important. If this season is a wash, then so be it. And to just know, I, I'm not would when I had expectations. Just I like the roster. I wouldn't think that it's a failure of a season in any capacity. I, I just I just wanted to clarify that, Ian. Go ahead. So now that we've sort of dug into the good vibes, regardless of the score, I think we should, I think we should try and figure out what exactly happened. Right. I think the first place we'd like to start, Chris, is rotation. I don't know if you noticed anything that jumped out to you. I certainly did, but I'd love to get your take first. What, what part of the rotation of the guys you saw surprised you most? In terms of the way the rotation was, or just in terms of maybe certain guys not playing well alongside each other? Because I have a couple of answers. First and foremost, I don't think Goran Dragic and Fred Van Vliet should be the starting backcourt. I would mm. try. I mean, and a lot of this is going to depend on how soon Pascal Siakam can come back. That's obviously, like, we have to remind everybody, that's a big part of this team that is not currently out there. And, you know, he's making a case for being the most important offensive piece on this entire roster after that showing in the opening night. Uh, In my own mind, I'm kind of envisioning a a lineup with like Van Vliet at the one, Ananobi at the two, if he can kind of, you know, because he can play multiple positions. He can defend, especially multiple positions. Put put Barnes at the three, Siakam at the four when he returns, Achua or, well, maybe not Achua. He he didn't really light the world on fire in the home opener. Maybe a Cambridge just to put some size out there. This is such a flexible roster in terms of how you can run the rotations, especially because of their size that, you know, we remind everybody six foot nine, six foot nine, six foot nine, six foot nine. Like this is such a big team without really a a legitimate center on the roster. And Nick Nurse, I mean, he has his work cut out for him. It's going to be hard to kind of allocate minutes. Uh, even like, again, with Delano Benton being the top topic on uh, on Raptors Twitter last night, this guy emerging, where are you going to find minutes for him moving forward? Like, it's just like you, you can go 12 deep on this roster and just roll with the hot hand on a nightly basis. Again, just from that first night, I think Dragic should be coming off the bench. Just add a little bit more size into that starting front court. Maybe Gary Trent Jr., maybe kind of get him going a bit because you need his offense in that lineup and maybe just inspiring some confidence putting him into the lineup might get the job done but again i I don't envy nick nurse's position because i i couldn't possibly have to deal with these rotations i'm smiling i think goran i'm smiling gives you (laughs) i I, I know goran gives you some traditional playmaking right with that second unit because you know as much we want to rely on the sort of the swing guys to to play make i mean even if that is barnes you know banton whoever right 
some traditional playmaking from the one would help. And Dragic was a six man last year with Miami and is extremely successful at it. And, you know, he gives you that punch. So I'd agree with you. I think, you know, the one thing that jumped out to me that I want to get your take on was, I don't know if we noticed this, but Malachi Flynn got a DMP CD. Yeah. So I was about to say, yeah, he did not see the floor at all last night, which was very surprising. Extremely surprising. Right. Because, you know, I don't want to go down the Barnes and Suggs road. We've talked about that. But part of the reason you have to think that Barnes was selected was because the team felt confident with Flynn in some fashion. Do I or do they think that, that they thought they, Lowry was coming back? Or that I, I doubt perhaps, it. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I doubt it too. Regardless, regardless, they think they have something with Flynn. Something. Obviously, he's not going to be as good as Jalen Suggs, but he can provide he can provide me with X, whatever X is. If he's getting no minutes, he's not giving you shit. So I think we got a really, really quick understanding of why Spima Hailu has not been in rotation And <laughs> That's why I was laughing. <laughs> right? I can't and spell Fiji. his damn last name. Sfiji <laughs> did not have a great start. No. No, and, and and honestly, for as bad as it looked, he was only a minus one somehow. And <laughs> You know, which in last night is, is objectively a win. No but way. Again, we, we, we talk so much about scoring with this team. And yes, we need that. But we mm-hmm. also need that traditional pick and roll playmaking. That when, when the offense does get slogged down, which it did all night, I have a guy that could run a pick and roll efficiently and get us a good look. And Flynn, the whole reason that he's here, so he can do things like that. So what is your take on what happened with Flynn? Why is it Luke, the new guy, rather than the incumbent getting those, those, you know, secondary guard minutes? Look, I, I'm going to put this out there as well. I would not be shocked if they start giving Scotty Barnes some point guard minutes at this rate, because his playmaking early on has been fantastic. That guy has not met a pass that he will not look away from. That seems to be like his bread and butter pass at this point. He just likes being a little bit slick with the ball and, and throwing it down the middle of the lane, which I appreciate. This team needs a little bit more pizzazz out there. Malachi Flynn, I'm not too worried about. He's still a project at the end of the day. I think he is going to get some playing time when when push comes to shove as we get deeper into the season. I, again, I think he, at the moment, he's just a victim of Nick Nurse trying to figure out his rotations. And the, the deeper we get in, the more games we see who steps up. Perhaps Malachi Flynn will, will seemingly slot himself into a nice backup point guard role. The, the, the guards on this team are very small. And that's a detriment to Malachi Flynn because he's going to be third in the pecking order behind Goran Dragic and Fred Van Vliet no matter what. So it may be harder for him to earn minutes uh, at some point in the season, especially if Scotty Barnes does provide to be more of a playmaker. You do get a little bit more size in that backcourt if Scotty Barnes can handle the ball. Malachi Flynn, uh, I'm rooting for him. He has shown glimpses of, of something special in the past, and I, I, I look forward to seeing what he can bring to this roster. But now I think, again, I think he's just a victim of circumstance at this point. I think, obviously, last night was it was a train wreck. Like, there's no two ways to put it. But when your two best players are that bad in a game, you're not going to win many games. Yeah. Freddie and OG. Simple as that. <clears throat> we're terrible. It just says what it is. They aren't terrible basketball players. We know that. They were terrible last OG night. OG was, was bad Offensively. And I'd say yes. And I'd say with his shot selection. There's still right. a lot of things that he is so good at regardless well yeah you dribble within three feet of the guy he takes the ball like we yes understand he can have Mm -hmm. 
back, you know, when we had Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam, by the way, if there was ever a time that we need to appreciate Pascal Siakam, it's after watching that because Siakam saved us from that a ton last year. And anyone who thinks that he's not an all-star player, it frankly is a fucking idiot. So <laughs> look, and, and, and I mean, it, that part is clear, but you know, I, I think with someone like Ananobi, you don't notice those bad shooting nights when you have those other guys around him. Now that he's in a feature role, right? We notice he still does elite stuff. Well, I don't think, yes. I just but traditionally, think it was all bad. I just don't I, think I, it was all bad. I think there were positives last night. I, I'm not saying that it wasn't. But I do think that last night was a microcosm of everything that everyone who's had hesitations about this Raptors team, it was all built into one single game. Here's the the youth, it was the youth. Scotty Barnes has to get his legs underneath him. He's got to get, again, that's what this entire season is about. It is, you don't have Kyle Lowry anymore, so who's running the offense? Fred Van Vliet traditionally has not been, his strength has not been, Put the ball in my hands. I got this. His strength was, holy shit, where are we going to score from? Freddie's got the, got the ball. That's been his strength. There was no Siakam. The half-court offense was stale. The defense, they're trying to play literally on elite, like superstar level uh, defense with players that haven't done it before. All, the microcosm of all the doubts and all the questions that people had about the Raptors were all pushed into one game. You, that's This isn't how it's going to be. The leading score on the Raptors is not going to get 12 points for the rest of the year. The most assists on the team is not going to be four. But we mentioned, you know, OG was thrown into some. He's never had to shoot 17 times before. But that's what he's going to have to do now. I think he can do it. In the preseason, he showed. I know it's preseason. Please don't everyone start adding me and saying it's preseason. doesn't matter. But he did show he has the ability to have the ball in his hands, to ISO, and to get a good shot for himself. And if he can do that in the regular season, I like this team's chances because Fred's a fighter. He's going to find a way to make this work. I've always been so critical. It'll be a funny story can... when they blow out the Celtics this week. Eh? We'll look back on this and be like, oh, hey, one game. We're going to oh, oh, beat or the, the Wizards by 20. Or the <laughs> Wizards are like 5-0 and oh after. It's like, oh my God, maybe the Wizards are actually good. And the Raptors actually held them to 98 points. It, there's a lot that can come out of this. I, I don't, again, it's an overreaction. We know this. But watching that game last night, listening to everyone talk about this team, everything that they, that they had doubts about came together in this one game. And it's not going to be that way every night. It's just not. I have questions I want to ask, but Ian, I think you want to jump in here. Chris. Question that frankly we needed an answer to. We thought, and I think the organization thought, that if we stack the deck with enough mid size guys, six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, that we can make up for that lack of size in the interior. Last night, based on how the Wizards were living in the paint, that may not be sustainable throughout the year. So tell me. What is your preference between Precious and Kem? And do you think a platoon like that can work for this season or do they need to go get somebody? I have my doubts. I mean, it's not very often that you see the biggest guy on a roster being six foot nine. Ideally, I would like to see Kem Birch be the starter. He's more of a banger than Precious Atura. I think Precious is more finesse. I think he has shown some junkyard dog in him in the past, but Kem Birch is that guy right now. 
I would trust him to defend larger, stronger bigs than I would Akua. And I like Akua in the second unit. And I also just like Ken Burch because his mom came on my podcast. So shout out to Wendy Sparks as well. That was a fun episode. Uh, but yeah, if I'm if I'm running this rotation right now, I put Ken Burch at the five. I bring Precious Akua. Try and come up with this like high octane energy second unit that you can run out. You can run out on the floor. Trust them to give you some high, some good offense. Maybe not so much defense. But again, you can trust the starting lineup to kind of handle that in that capacity. But yeah, I would I would throw Birch out there because you know the Joel and Beans of the world, the Nikola Jokic's, the 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 Dwight Howards, the big dudes that you're going to have to stop. Achua is not going to cut it. Birch is at least your best option. So I'm going to ask an uncomfortable question, and I know that you you're always a good sport. You always promote our podcast. You always you shout us out halftime shout outs everything. Although. What did we got to do to get Ian on the on the Raptors Twitter? Uh, the Raptors Twitter is he not? you have. He's not on there. This guy's throwing what? This, this guy's to throwing fair, takes to left be right. Fair, to be fair, I don't need to be. I don't need to be on anything. I'm just happy we get to hang. Dude, I know it's, it's my list. I can do whatever the hell I want. Where are you right now? <laughs> this is we're doing this live. I don't care. While you do it live, why aren't you showing? Why aren't you showing up? What was your handle again? It's not showing up on my Ian underscore Stan. I think. There we go. Here we go. Look, look. This, this is this is live. By the way, we're doing this right Let's now. Let's do it. See, there you go. Ian Add remove from lists. Bing Toronto Raptors Twitter done. Look at that. Look That's at how that. much power I have. This is the most power I'll ever have in my entire life. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to give you a little bit more power because I want to. I want to talk about Scotty Barnes. Sure. I'm putting you in the size chair. In the summer, were you taking Jalen Suggs or were you taking Scotty Barnes? I think it was evident by my reaction on NBA Twitter that <laughs> night that I was taking Jalen Suggs. Uh, I didn't do enough research on the Scotty Barnes kid. I was like, what the hell are we doing? It was a four-player NBA draft, and we took option number five for some reason. Uh, but again, that's the thing about basketball is that you, you think you know everything, but you clearly don't. And you listen and you read to people who know more about you in certain areas. I was not an NBA draft guy. I was infatuated with Suggs because, of course, he was a guard. He had that big shot, big in, shot. In, in, the, in March Madness. And I was like, this is our guy, especially if we're going to be losing Kyle Lowry. We need another guard. He can be our guard for the future. Pair him with Fred Van Vliet. That's a pretty nice one-two punch in the backcourt. Uh, but then the Scotty Barnes kid comes along. He, he, he's like his energy, his presence, the biggest smile on his face all the time. Everybody loves him. He's happy to be in Toronto, which you don't see a lot from certain players. He made Goran Dragic be happy to be in Toronto. Like, to yeah, do him and Goran is... Dragic are like the new buddy couple. Like, it's yeah, amazing. I love it. Like, how fast those two have bonded. I, I love it. the potential of Scotty Barnes. And look, Jalen Suggs had a horrible preseason. People need to stop. I mean, like you were talking about earlier, it's the preseason. Don't overreact to some of the numbers that were being put up. OG Ananobi was killing it. He's not going to be that every night for the Toronto Raptors. And Jalen Suggs is not going to be a disaster for Orlando every night during the regular season. But I do think at this point, after listening to people who know more about college basketball and who know more about these prospects, I like Scotty Barnes' ceiling a hell of a lot more. This guy is already showing so much to his game that I didn't even think was possible this early in his career. Like the passing for starters. I mean, holy shit, this guy is throwing some incredible dimes. His presence on the floor is incredible. The guy was the leading scorer. I mean, look, 12 points. It was a horrible offensive night. But he right. led the, the Raptors in scoring. Led the Raptors in scoring. He did have I, six turnovers, and, that, and that's going to come with with experience. Those numbers will come down. But I'm I'm so excited about Scotty Barnes. I'm excited about Banton to a lesser extent, but Scotty Barnes gives me kind of 
I mean, you, you hate to bring up Kawhi Leonard's name, but he kind of fits that mold, like that archetype, especially with the hands, the length, the size of the forward position. I'm not saying he's going to reach Kawhi Leonard levels, but if he even comes close to any of that, then hot damn, that was a great pick. But I think he's already shown a playmaking acumen coming out of college that's leaves and bounds ahead of what we saw from Kawhi or anything like that. Now, he's not Kawhi. I, I think that we can say that pretty definitively at this moment. He's a fucking mm-hmm. rookie. It's what he is. We don't know. I will say this, though. To a piece of advice for Scotty Barnes and a, a cautionary tale. My piece of advice is chill on the no-look passes right now. Like, you are in the NBA <laughs> trying to win basketball games. He Don't listen to Sean. Those are amazing. <laughs> just I need some chill. highlights on Twitter. <laughs> just chill. No, we need him to have fun. That's part of that's part yeah. of who he is. Do you know what's fun? Winning. Winning is fun. No, yeah, no look passes look, to turnovers look, that lead you to You know who loves no look passes? Fun. LaMelo Ball. Would any of us tell LaMelo Ball not to be LaMelo Ball? No, because that I makes would. him who he is. Anyways. Well, then, I, then, then you shouldn't be the GM. Well, I'm not. I, I, I let Chris. I let Chris yes, be the GM. Me too. And the the. So I said this on Rob's podcast. I can anyone be this happy? Like I love it. He's in the NBA. He's living his dream. He's happy. I love it. That I had. I'm just a. I'm an. I guess a guy with two kids, two dogs, fucking problems. Like I guess I'm, I'm just a bit of a skeptic <laughs> around oh about around positivity as a whole. The way he runs worries me. I'm just going to put that out there. The way he runs does worry me. He's very flat-footed when he runs. It's not agile. It's it's it seems hard. Yeah, but but what so doesn't? Yeah, it's not like this guy's you know breaking ankles, getting into the post. Who's getting I just, by him? I I know this. What I would say from a positive perspective, again, his playmaking is incredible. That sky hook for his Whoa. first basket, so nice. I literally like caved into my chair. I'm like, oh my God, this, if you can unlock that. This early. That's his Hall of that, Fame video that's right a, there. That is literally that's a grown. It. That's where it started. That's a, <laughs> that's a grown man move. Yes, it's over Danny Abja, but it's still, it's a grown man move to be like, oh, I'm this tall and I'm this long and I can just go like that. I thought that was incredible. By the way, speaking of another Wizards high pick that's not going to work out, Denny Abja. I think that he's going to be really, really good. I hope that they don't put too much on him to start, and I want them to utilize Goran Dragic more. But speaking of guards, Chris, Delano Banton. Just go. Delano Banton. Rex Tail, baby. Rex Tail. The new, the new Bruno, but better than Bruno. He's the new he plays. favorite. He's like, he gets <laughs> off the bench. That, that first basket, like, my God, a half-court shot. You're from Rexdale. You're a city boy. You get that reaction. He probably would have been living the dream if, if his night ended and, like, began and started with, like, and ended with that reaction. Because the fans love this kid. Local kid. He goes out there. He gets some minutes in what was a blowout game at the time. His first basket is this, you know, three-pointer from half-court to end the quarter. And then he has, like, some some sick dimes. He's rebounding. He's playing defense. Like, he's just you can't help but root for somebody like this because he's the epitome of just like living the dream. 
any kid from Toronto who's ever picked up a basketball has wanted to be a player for the Toronto Raptors and he's doing it and he's playing well. Again, it's one game and Lord knows we overreact over one game all the of time. Course. Yep. But let the kid have his moment. That's the one thing I'm going to remember most from, from the, the home opener. It's not how bad the Raptors were on offense. It's not how much they struggled against a mediocre Wizards team. It was Delano Benton living the fucking dream. We're talking about overreactions, Chris. I'm talking about how a rookie who's barely old, old enough to drink in this country is not running on the balls of his feet enough. Okay, so yes, I completely appreciate. Yeah, the yeah, look, we're talking about much overreactions. Way, I'm, getting way, I'm, getting, <laughs> I'm getting way too deep. Um, I also think Yuda would have really helped last night. I think that would have been a yeah. good moment for him, yeah. where it's not it's not Fiji, Fiji. It is Yuda coming in, providing professionalism. Ian, and do you Yuda get gives scary? you nothing. You didn't give you nothing but positive energy and energy and juice, no matter what. Right. And those guys always help you. I, I think the one thing I would say about Bant is that he came, th- this is so hard to do. He came in as a, a rookie, a second round rookie, but a rookie and looked like a rotation guy, right? right. Like I don't need to get carried away. He looked like a rotation guy. He looked like he belonged. He didn't look like anything was too big for him. And by the way, no one would have blamed him. He had 40 people there last night. So no one, absolutely no one would have blamed him. And he came in and just looked like a rotation guy. Quick, quick non-Raptors update. The Heat are currently smashing the Bucks, 63-38. Kyle Lowry is 0 for 5. So not a great night for a former Raptor so far. Shooting. He's winning and that shooting. And that's what, that's what Mr. Lowry does. Well, he's honoring Last, his former team by not hitting a shot. Yes, but he's also honoring his former team by beating Milwaukee. That too. I wonder how so, many charges I, he's taken tonight. Uh, I Ian, hope I'll find it. Don't look at the box score. It's not there. Oh, I love him. What a legend. Uh, last one on the Raptors, and then we just got some quick hitters for you. Sure. If Gary Trent Jr. isn't making shots, what is his purpose? Damn, we're getting deep. That's a great question. Like not as a human. Pretty like, wa- clearly, he has. No, I know. It, it, it's he is a very one-dimensional basketball player. He doesn't. He's not defending. He's not rebounding. He's not much of a playmaker. He, he's a shooter. He he can give you nights where he can drop twenty-six in his sleep, and then the other night he has four and he misses nine or ten shots and he probably hits one and the rest is at the free throw line. That's what you're going to get with Gary Trent Jr. He's not as well-rounded an offensive player as Norman Powell was. And I see a lot of people out there comparing him to Powell, and that's an unfair uh, comparison to to do. Norman Powell had more to his game than Gary Trent Jr. currently does. And Trent Jr. is very young. He's going to get better. And like a lot of players on this team, there are going to be some growing pains. But you need to kind of accept the fact that Gary Trent Jr. is going to be a, a hot and cold player. And the cold is going to stick out like a sore thumb. But when he's hot, you're going to be happy he's there. I'd love to see him get to the I, rim more. He's never averaged more than I don't think a free, he's that like guy. A free throw a game. I know. I know he's not that guy. But he's longer than I thought that he was watching him. I. I but he's on the Raptors. That's why. That's like the. That's true. Get on the team. <laughs> but to your point earlier, Chris, he is so young. He's going to yeah. get better, and that's one thing that I would like to see him incorporate into his game is to get to the rim more. And he's by the way, he's going to be a, vol- be a volume shooter. Can you beat Jordan Clarkson yeah. for this Toronto Raptors team? Who I. Absolutely poo pooed all all coming all last offseason coming into the year and the guy just crapped all over me. He was outstanding. <laughs> Can you be Jordan Clarkson? This team would love a Jordan Clarkson. 
I think the thing with Trent too is that, yeah, I mean, obviously he's going to improve and I'm not burying him by any sense. Right. And I think this market in particular gets way too obsessed with how much money guys make. And it's like, you know, the whole reason everyone was upset about Siakam's because he got the max. It's like, it ain't your money. So who gives a shit what Gary Trent Jr. makes, right? Who cares? Like the, the team's over the cap anyway. Who cares? Like, why are we so stressed about this? And, and the one thing I would say with Trent, and I want to throw this, throw this to you, Chris, let me know what you think. And then I promise we'll move on. I kind of want to see while Pat, while Pascal's out, I'd like to see Trent play with the starting five. And the reason I'd like to see him play with the starting five is because I want to see him get good looks. And the best way for me to get him good looks is to play him with my better players, have Dragic come off the bench. He can run the second unit with our second unit guys. Gary can sprinkle it on that end as well. But I, I, I surely like to see Gary coming off, you know, pin downs and everything else with other skilled players on the floor. Not that our other guys aren't skilled, but are better players on the floor to give him more juice. What are your thoughts on that? No, I'm with you 100%. I would make that move tomorrow. I'd put Gary Trent Jr. as your new starting shooting guard. And it, it seems like, uh, you know, the alarms are going off. Like, well, oh my God, we're already making a starting uh, lineup change this early into the season. But I think ultimately that's going to be the best situation for him is being that two guard next to Van Vliet, next to Barnes and Ananobi tentatively until Siakam comes back. Give him some more shot opportunities. Then you don't need to rely on OG Ananobi to be creating these, you know, these, these miss opportunities for himself because his shot selection against the Wizards was not great and not beneficial for the Raptors. At least Gary Trent Jr. put him into the, put him into the pick and roll, put him in screens, let him move around players and defenders, and just start chucking up shots. He's going to miss a lot of shots. That's just how he is. Like I said, hot and cold with Gary Trent Jr. But if you want to get the most bang for your buck with him. He needs to be a starter for now. And if he plays his way out of the lineup, then that's fine. The Raptors are, can make those rotation changes again. But for now, it's early. It's only an 0-1 start. Why not roll, with the, roll the dice and see what he can do? And you have to guard him. That's the thing. Yeah, you have to account you have, for him. You have to guard him. Because if you don't, he's shooting. 25. Let's get to quick hitters. Let's get to quick hitters here, Chris. Uh, we haven't done this in a while. But... <laughs> We're excited for this. So I'm going to start with the first one. You have the luxury of seeing the first game for the Raptors. And I'm going to ask you, the over-under for the Toronto Raptors this season was 36 and a half wins. Chris Walder, are you going over or under 36 and a half wins? I'd push, but 36 and a half is not a realistic number, so I can't it's do not. that. Uh, I, I haven't put too much thought in actually their win-loss record. I'm going to say they get 39. How about that? Okay. I, right. Again, I have to temper my expectations. I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy they're in Toronto. 39 seems like a safe estimate. Next one. If you are starting a franchise today, not this year, not two years, you're starting a franchise today and you are in charge. Giannis. I give you the, cho- <laughs> I give you the choice between LaMelo Ball and John Moran. Who are you taking and why? Oh, man, that's a good question. I was hoping you would say anybody, and then Giannis would have just been, yeah, it's, of course you're going to pick Giannis. Either him or, like, Luca or something. Or Luca, yeah. Uh, God, yeah, like I meant, like I alluded to earlier, man, was I wrong about LaMelo Ball. He is going to be a superstar in this league for a long time. Like, he's, like, again, another kind of, like, triple-double guy, high-octane score, just exciting to watch. But so is John Morant, too. Maybe not as, I mean, they're both equally flashy. I, I, we'll, we'll give him that. 
Uh, you know what? I'm going to lean more towards LaMelo Ball. And that's crazy for me to say because I've been like anti-ball for a long time. Anybody who's had that last name, a lot of it stemmed from the dad. But yeah. you know what? He's coming to the NBA and he's shut a lot of people up, including me. And I think, again, he is going to be a superstar in this league. If I'm building a franchise, I'll roll with, I'll roll with LaMelo Ball. Why not? All right. I, I By the way, I would take Ja. Um, rookie you are most excited about coming into the season. Granted, we know you're not a college guy, but you are our hoops guy. Jalen Green or Cade Cunningham? Jalen Green, but I think I think he's going to have a lot of really ugly nights. If, if we're talking in general about rookies, I think Evan Mobley's winning rookie of the year. I'm with you. That's that's I my pick. It. I love I love big I love the bigs. Bigs are underrated. They don't get enough enough love. And I think it's easy to pick like the guards and the forwards because they're going to have the ball in their hands more and they're going to get the 25, 30 point nights. Jalen Green, if, if, if I'm picking between him and Cade, I, I think, I don't know why I'm kind of envisioning someone getting hurt. Like he's not going to play a lot of games. Oh I, man. Chris. I feel Cade is going to be, is going to miss a lot of games this season. Don't hold me to that. He could go off like the full season and I'll look like a complete idiot. And I never wish an injury on anybody. I think just Jalen Green, there's so much more pressure on him to thrive in Houston. And I think he is going to have some like really exciting nights, some really you know high scoring performances, and I think that's going to stand out more. And the voters seem to like that. Whoever puts up the best stats is usually the guy that gets rookie of the year. And while I still think it's going to be Evan Mobley, um, you know he's my dark horse pick, which is crazy because he was like a top third three pick in the NBA yeah, right. draft. Um, yeah, I, I think I think Jalen Green is going to just surprise a lot of people with how like how good his offense is going to be. And again, it's kind of like alluding to back like to the Gary Trent Jr. Like when he's cold, he's going to be ice cold. But when he's on, damn, watch out. And that's Jalen Green right there. I love the Mobley call out. I think he was the best value. I think you're getting yeah. him at th- I wish at three. I really wanted him to fall. Oh, Toronto. I know. The problem is Cleveland went out and either signed I or traded for every team. single every single yeah. big in the market they got. But anyways, Ian, go ahead. You're you're up next. I, I have the same issue. Like I, I don't understand him on that team. Marketing, <laughs> right. Allen, Love. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and, no and oddly they, enough, all of those guys should have gone. Jared Allen, they should have traded. Yeah. And they should have kept Nance and just run with Nance and Mobley and not thought about it again. All right, next one. Injured team that you trust most in the Western Conference, the Los Angeles Clippers, the Denver Nuggets. I had a recent hot take on NBA Twitter. I don't know how many Give people it to paid me. attention to it. Give me the take. If Jamal Murray comes back and he's the Jamal Murray that we saw in the bubble, like superstar level Jamal Murray, I think the Denver Nuggets are winning the NBA championship. Wow. So you're a Porter guy. I, I, I think Michael Porter is special. And him in that I, line. And you already have Nikola Jokic, who's the best big man in basketball. Jamar, Jamal Murray is instant offense. Michael Porter is your three. Like, if they come together and they, the most important thing is staying healthy, don't be surprised if Denver in the loaded friggin' Western Conference. I honestly, like, if I had to put money down right now, they'd be nice value as an NBA championship pick, the Denver Nuggets. I completely agree. Yeah, me too. I completely agree. I, I think they're I think they're an over they're an over in their win total without Murray. Yeah. Right. I think Jokic, Porter, and Gordon, that they just fit and they work. Yeah. So, very nice. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Who finishes third in the East, Chris? I think the top two are pretty chalk. assuming Milwaukee and Brooklyn. So who's third? 
Miami. Ah, it pains I you, like Miami. It? I, it, does it doesn't pay me. You know what? I'm rooting for the, I'm rooting for that, man. Look, Kyle Lowry gave us a lot of good years. I'm not one of those like disgruntled fans who's like, I couldn't possibly cheer for a former Raptor on another team. Kyle Lowry is the greatest Toronto Raptor of all time, no matter what any outlet Agreed. or any media member will tell you if it's Kawhi Leonard or it's Vince Carter. It's not. It's Kyle Lowry. And I wish him well in Miami. I really like their roster. Uh, especially if Victor Oladipo can give them remotely anything at this point in his career after everything that he's been through. I like the P.J. Tucker pickup. Jimmy Butler is one of my favorite players in the league. Bam Adebayo, I mean, the ascension he's come to as an elite-level big in the NBA. Miami, watch out. They're, they're going to be one of those teams that, that finishes high in the standings, and then when you see them in the playoffs, you're going to be like, oh, oh I know, it's going to be yeah, one matchup that- you do not want. Exactly. But to be fair, you didn't cheer for the Clippers when Kawhi left, right? The Clippers? Who are the Clippers again? I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard? What? Who's who's that? No, I love Kawhi. Look, I love Kawhi, I love Kawhi too. Fake yeah, of course you should bring in my bedroom yeah. because of Kawhi Leonard. So it's all good. All right, last one, Ian. All right. Who is Chris Walder's guy to watch this year? And it has to be a non-Raptor. And it has to be a non-Raptor. Ooh, God, I can't give like the, oh, it's Luka Doncic, of course. Like personally, he's like my favorite player to watch. I, I find him so entertaining. Uh, but in terms of the player to watch who's not a Toronto Raptor, uh, it's definitely not Kyrie Irving because I don't think a lot of people are going to be watching him this year. That's <laughs> <Nope>. for sure. <laughs> uh, again, it, it's, it's kind of like a safe bet, kind of going back to the Denver Nuggets, Nikola Jokic. And he, when he won MVP, a lot of uh, I see a lot of comments. I'm on NBA Twitter way too much. People like shit on Nikola Jokic for some reason. Like he's Ooh. just kind of like this overrated big man. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Overrated Nikola Jokic? big man. I've seen some bad takes about Nikola Jokic on my Twitter timeline. I don't know. I, I don't want to call out anybody, but I have seen some haters of Nikola Jokic. But he's like the main reason why I think the Denver Nuggets are going to win the NBA championship. I'm I'm very old school in my basketball fandom. I, I grew up loving bigs. Hakeem Olajuwon and Tim Duncan are my two favorite basketball players of all time. I love the back to the basket. I, I love the mid-range game. I love the hook shots. Like everything that becomes with being like a true power forward and center in basketball, I gravitate to that. Nikola Jokic is that tenfold. He is like a guard in a in a oh, center's it's... body, but he could still play as a traditional big man, which I really appreciate. Like if you need him to bang down low, if you need him to get rebounds, but he can also throw like he can he we've seen his assist numbers. It's amazing. He's an outside shooter. He can literally do everything that you need and more as a big man, and I respect that. It's just a shame that he's a Denver Nugget because not a lot of people get to see him on the regular. So, I think we should all give our answer here. First and foremost, anyone who slanders Nikola Jokic deserves a block from Chris Walder. Get out of here. Exactly. My my answer is Trey Young. I was not a fan of Good his. Answer. I was not a fan of his. But he walks into every building and every away game and wants to make 75 enemies as he walks in that door. And he's he's not perfect. It's an adventure. I like adventures. I like fun. I like fun. And in saying that, I have reservations about Scotty Barnes, who is the most fun person alive. But to me, with Trey Young, that's mine. I can't wait to watch him. Ian, who's yours before we sign off? I mean, the obvious one is Steph Curry. Um, Oh, yeah. He is. He's just the best. And honestly, he's my pick for MVP. But I mean, to not go the obvious route, I think if we're going to. 
I'm intrigued by those swing guys, you know, like the guys where if they hit, look out. Michael Porter Jr., we already talked about. That is a good one. OG. OG. Memphis with Jaron Jackson Jr., that's another one. Paid him $105 If that hits, where do they end up? And, you know, honestly, I think, too, um, I'm interested to see how it goes in Chicago. Obviously, I wouldn't, I'm not going to subject myself to all those games. But I, I think for me, as much as it pains me to say, it's, it could be one of those Boston guys. Because if Tatum hits like that level, it may not matter what the rest of the team looks like. They could yeah. be the three or the four seed. So those are, those are sort of my guys. But I, I think honestly, my, my big pivot guy to watch in the East is Tatum. My big pivot guy in the West to watch is Jaron Jackson. Love it. Love it. Chris, you've been very gracious with your time. This was fun as it always is. Please, everyone, make sure that you are checking out the Walder Sportscast. Make sure you're following Chris on Twitter if you aren't already. Give your head a shake. Chris, thank you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Ian, why don't you sign us off, buddy? Just feels great to be back. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you so much again to Chris for coming back on. And thank you to the Raptors for just being home. Thank you. It means a lot to us. Appreciate you. 